Does anyone in the room right now have in your possession a C note, a bin, a $100 bill? Sir. Yes, I'm going to take a $100 bill from this man right here. I know online you can't see me, but don't worry, I'm in the back of the room, and I can't tell you his name, but his initials are Baxter Smith, and he's, he's going to give me a $100 bill. Yeah. That, my friends, is a Ben Franklin. I'll get back up front and show it to you. That's a Ben Franklin. You with me? Maybe you didn't know that too. Or maybe some of you have never held a $100 bill. But here's what I'm going to do. You and I are very interested in the trustworthiness of our currency, aren't we? Yes, we are. And I just happen to have one of them fancy little lights. Don't look at it. This light will expose something inside the $100 bill that proves that it's and I didn't have a $100 bill because there it is. Maybe you can see it. Maybe you can't. On this side is a pink line running north-south. Can you see it? No? Uh, it doesn't, it's not working in the house. I trust you. Right here where it says 100, where it says 100, right here on this side is a pink line running north-south. And the reason they put it in there is because bad people don't know how to do it. <laughs> when they make fake uh, C-notes. You'll notice that I did not say anything about giving this back to Baxter. <laughs> but I am trustworthy, and so I'm going to, again, leave the stage, so don't worry about the camera. I'll be right back. <laughs> and Baxter, you trusted me, didn't you? <laughs> so if you were online, you couldn't hear that. I said to Baxter, Baxter, you trusted me, didn't you? And he said, I'm waiting for my interest. <laughs> That's very good. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Notice on the trusted, trust, will trust. Past, present, future. What we're doing is we are here to build the foundation for our lives on the trustworthiness of God. That's the goal. Today, next week, the week after. Today we're going to think about the past. Have I trusted God in the past? You and I want to know that there is something or someone on whom we can build a foundation for our lives. Can we trust in God in such a way to build a foundation of our lives? And have we trusted in the past? <clears throat> Kathy and I are both a little bit fighting a cold. I'm not injured. You can't play if you're injured. You can play if you're hurt, right? But I'm, and so I'm hurt, but I'm not injured. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me. We are going to establish the trustworthiness of God and then think back. And that's what we want to do this morning. So let's, do it. let's start this way with a scripture. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So uh, you know I love what I'm about to do next. Grammar. Yesterday is an adverb. You know what adverbs do? They answer questions like how, where, why, and in this case, when. Jesus Christ is the same when, yesterday, 
trusted in the past, today, now, trust now, and forever. Three ways of describing the constancy, the trustworthiness of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Now, here's what we're going to do right now. And online, you can do it. We're going to memorize this verse, all of us together. Here's how, <clears throat> here's how you, I've been memorizing verses since I was 18. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to say out loud the, the reference, Hebrews 13, 8. Then we're going to say the verse, and then we're going to repeat the reference. That's a way to memorize scripture. It's a great way to do it. So he, I'm going to show you what I mean by that. He, I'm not looking. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same. No, hang on. Let me show you how to do it. He, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. See what I mean? There's a little exercise for you. So let's do it together. You can close your eyes if you think you got it already. We say the reference, then we say the verse, then we say the reference again. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. If you say that out loud, repeatedly, it will go in. It will stay there. You can see it with your eyes, and you can hear it with your ears, and I promise you, your brain will remember it. And I'm telling you right now, you want to build your life, you want the foundation of your life to be built on the trustworthiness of God. <clears throat> if you have a, any currency in, on you at all, pull it out right now. Coins, any, any folding money. <laughs> if you look on the back, nobody, come on now, I don't see people moving. There's some of you ain't participating. <laughs> what does it say on the back of it? I've got a 20. What does it say on the back of my 20? In God we trust. What's it say on the back of a Lincoln? In God we trust. What's it say on the back of a Washington. In God we trust. What's it say on the back of a quarter? Anybody have a quarter on them to test me? In God we trust. My question for us is, is that true for us? Is that true for you? In God I trust. That's what we want we're here because we want that to be, the, the, we want the answer to be yes. We want to build our foundation for our lives on the trustworthiness of God. And so let me po po pose a couple of questions for you. As you think about your life and the trustworthiness of God, the trustworthiness of God and how you have or haven't been able to trust God. So was there some people, maybe you could say it like this, that I trusted in the past but don't now. Maybe you could say another kind of question. This is meant to be sort of self-reflective. I didn't, I did not trust in the past, but now I do. Or maybe a third question just to get all this going in our own thinking. I trusted in the past. I trust now, but there's something coming in the future and I can feel myself wavering. Those are ways of just beginning to engage in this. You, you and I, isn't it ironic that the thing that is most, the, that which is the competition for trusting God is money. And it's on the currency that we use 
that says we trust God. But for many of us, for most of us, we wrestle. Am I going to trust? We, rest, we trust other things beside God, but money is out in front. And it just seems to be the human condition. <clears throat> but is it always trustworthy? Is our, our finances trustworthy? And I, 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 hey, I'm no wizard. I'm looking at my 401ks just like you are wondering what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Look at what happens, however, when you see a prospectus come from somebody who wants your money and they want to invest it. The Securities and Exchange Commission requires them to say this about any possible use of your money. Past performance <laughs> is not indicative of future performance. You've seen that, right? You've seen that's around. Here's what I want you to know. With Jesus Christ, with God Almighty, past performance is absolutely indicative of future performance, and you can take that to the bank. And on God's trustworthiness, we want to build our lives. We want to, <clears throat> we want to make sure that Though we stumble and fall, we want our lives to be built on God's trustworthiness. Here's, the, here's what you need to understand. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, that's not going to come up on the screen. I, I got this one memorized too. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the first words, people of the book, that's who we are. The first words in the book say that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Be philosophical. In the beginning, God created time and space. God created time and space is not subject to them. Let that one cook in your bucket for a while. You know what I'm saying? God created everything. The founder and creator of the universe owns the rights to all of it. God owns everything. Everything. Now, the question I've wanted to pose with you is, if God owns everything, and I would say to you that that's the, that's the compelling conclusion that you reach if you start out saying, God made the heavens and the earth. God owns everything. The question is, is that good news or is that bad news? Let's start with the bad news. It's bad news that God's own everything. If God, like the gods in the pagan world of the first century, if the gods are like those gods, the gods are fickle, the gods are random, the gods are unpredictable, the gods are, the gods are un, undependable, and the gods create human beings and then just use them as pawns for their pleasure or privilege or whatever. That's, that's the bad news. If that's what God is like, then yeah, it's bad news that God's own, God owns everything for all of us. But if, <clears throat> if God is trustworthy, it's really, really good news. It's not good news. It's great news. It's great news. For you and me as Jesus-following believers, that's what we want to say. God owns everything. And so here we are in this room hoping to understand more what that means. And it means this. God owns everything, and it's great news. Why? Because God made us. God is at the, his essence. He's loving. And here's the really cool part a little later down in the first page of the book. 
God made us in his image. And he made us not pawns, but partners. We are God's image-bearing partners in the universe, in the world, in our lives, in our cities, in our families. And God made us partners in his business. And we get to be, God owns it all, and God has put you and me in charge of the stuff. And the word we use for that is steward. God has made you and me stewards of God's stuff, but not just to do. God's purposeful, and God wants the whole planet to know that they're loved. And we get to be a part of that with our stuff, with our, with our minds, with our bodies, with our hearts, with our jobs, with our businesses, with this church, with our cities, with poor people, with our money. So it's called stewardship. And so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about money this week, next, and the following week. But we're talking about building a foundation for our lives based on God's trustworthiness. And certainly money, as already I've said, is a, is creeps in and wants to compete with God for being the, that on which we base our lives. It's everything about our lives, our passions, our talents, our abilities, our businesses, our children, our marriages. All of that is God's gift to us because God owns everything, and we have been made stewards to do God's stuff with all of God's stuff. It's the greatest good news you could ever want to hear. It's fantastic. That'll light you up. You get excited about being in charge of God's stuff and use it the way you think God wants you to use it. Oh, you'll have so much meaning in your life. Building your life, the foundation of it, on God's trustworthiness. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He owns it all. He's trusting us with it. Let's go have some fun with it. Let's do good with it. <clears throat> well, I want to look in the Bible to see God's trustworthiness in the past. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. God's trustworthiness in the past, and we're going to see this passage that's Jesus, Luke chapter 8. So we're going to read that. It's two slides. <clears throat> One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. This would be the Sea of Galilee. So he says, let's go over to this other side of it. And they're going basically from west to east, right? And so that's where they're going. And let's go over to the other side of it. Those of us who were there earlier this summer up near Capernaum, we're going the other way, going east, where we stayed in the hotel over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they, and they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke up him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and in amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Well, remember, I've already said, he, already, he made it. The preexistent second person of the Trinity, in the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Spirit, created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there. That's what we believe in faith. I'm giving you a little high Christology there. If you want to dig, dig deep into what it means to be fully human and fully divine, we're saying that he was a human being in full sense, but also he was preexistent, and he created the universe. That's a lot. But notice something really important about this passage, about trustworthiness. It was Jesus' idea, let's get in a boat and go to the other side. 
Let that sink in. Let's all get in a boat and go to the other side. It was his thing. And he just chilled out. He went to sleep. And they freaked out when the storm came up. And he had it. Trustworthy. It's just one story. There are so many stories about God being trustworthy in the past. So I'll just two I'll remind you of. This guy named Abraham. Totally random. And I mean that in the colloquial sense. Totally random. Pick. God says, Ab- I'm picking you, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make your family big, 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 huge. He was an old man. He was married to an old woman who was past childbearing age. Started out with two people. Is God trustworthy? Yes. By the time they're enslaved in Egypt, there's over a million of them. Two, a million. Is God trustworthy? Yes. I mentioned Moses. Moses is in Egypt. He sees his people. He's crying out to God and crying out to the Pharaoh, both saying, let my people go. They're enslaved. They're in pain. They're grieving. God hears their cries, rescues them. The faithfulness of the trustworthy God opens the Red Sea up. They get across. The enemy is captured and killed. Game, set, and match. The people are free. God said, I'm going to free you up, and God did. The prophet Jeremiah said later on, I, I, God said through the prophet Jeremiah, I am going to put my law not on a book anymore. I'm going to put it in your heart. And what does the great apostle Paul say in the 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? If any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. We have God's trustworthiness showing up all over the place. And this is just the, you have the question and I have the question, what am I going to build my life on? What, what's my foundation going to be? And if you look back in the past, you're seeing that God can be trusted and we have 90 million examples of it. Let's, <clears throat> let's do this. Let's think about God's trustworthiness in the history of First Presbyterian Church. You may have noticed we got a little something going on over here. Oh, by the way, commercial announcement, not next Sunday, but on the 20th, at, we're going to build this into the sermon if you would like to do this, and I recommend that you do it, we're all going to go over there at the end of the sermon, and we're going to have Sharpies all over the place, and you're going to get to write prayers and Bible verses and everything else on the studs and on the stuff that's going to get covered up later. It's going to be awesome. We're having a thank you God party over there, and that's in two weeks from today. So be planning to be here so you can see it, and then you can write to God on the walls all over the place in there. And it's all going to get covered up. Don't worry. That's not our interior design program. <laughs> Excuse me. Hurt but not injured. <laughs> In about 2016 or 2017, the senior leaders of the First Presbyterian Church, the session, we did a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. <clears throat> and we observed two, two or three pretty obvious threats. Threat number one was we were in these old buildings, and the old buildings weren't particularly uh, architecturally functional in the sense of what we were wanting to do. But even more importantly than that, they were needed gazillions to keep them up, up to speed. That was a threat to our ongoing vitality. The second threat was the nature of downtown had been changing, and we had no parking. And the little bit of parking we had was slowly being taken away from us, and the owners were playing games with us and whatever. So thirdly was, do we go into a financial campaign to raise a bunch of money to fix up these buildings when we don't have access to them? By the way, we can't use the buildings. It's so hard to do anything there because we just can't park. And so in the summer of 2018, 
knock, knock, knock. A company knocked on our doors and said, would you be interested in selling your property? I got a phone call, and I said, well, we, I, certainly I'm interested in being interested. <laughs> and this is what happened. With a slide, we called it FP 2.0. Here, here's what we did. Oh, there it is. It, it, I want you to look carefully at this slide. Here's what happened. We started, this is a mashup over here. I love to even get to say a mashup, a Bible verse mashup of Psalm 37. We're mashing up verses 7 and verse 9. I'll read them for you. Let the Spirit move us. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And we stopped and we dropped and we prayed every day at 7.07 a.m. or 7.07 p.m. or both. And we prayed about the future. And here's sort of the fundamental question we were asking. Trustworthy God of the universe, is this your voice? And we pray, and we're still praying. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. And one year later, in the summer of 2019, uh, we, uh, we, we, we said, okay, we're, we're going to ask God the prayer. And, we, and you were all, many of you were part of it. We kept praying, and we said, God, is this you? And so we did the kind of things you would do if you were in the real estate thing. And so we, we picked in a, co a commercial real estate broker. They marketed the property. And um, we, had a, we picked an offer. Turns out the offer was from the person that knocked on the door in the first place. We picked an offer, and then we had a big meeting in the church because it's the congregation's vote to buy or sell property. Here's what you got to remember. Maybe you don't. In the summer of 2019, we recommended, the senior leadership of the church recommended that we sell the property, but guess what we didn't have? We didn't have anywhere to go. Now, take a look back up at this verse. The trustworthiness of God. Not that verse, the, uh, the FP 2.0 slide. <laughs> There. <clears throat> Look at what we did together, what we're still doing. We prayed and asked and prayed and asked, and we listened to each other and we listened to God. And we voted sometime in the summer of 2019, and we voted, let's sell the property. It turned out that it was a record high number per square foot for the property. It made a big difference for us. But here's, here's what's really cool. This is the guy that sold it to us. We got a picture. Kathy, and this, he... A picture of Kathy and Fitz and the point person for the company. Let's have that come up. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep looking back here. Look at the man in the middle. You see him? Guess what his name is? Noah. <laughs> Guess what else? He's from Chicago. Guess what else? Noah lives on a boat. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I think, I don't remember Noah's last name, but it's a traditionally Jewish last name. I think he's a Hebrew person whose name is Noah who lives on a boat. Noah, look at him. He ain't about 18 years old. <laughs> we estimate it was a $175 million project they're doing. This dude lives on a boat and boats himself around. I said, Noah, I don't know if you know this, but at that lake, Lake Michigan, it freezes in the winter up there. He goes, I know. I boot food out of there. I'm, I'm down in the islands. Who, who pilots you? I do. Anyway, Noah came by to see us. This is after they had actually, we had closed on the building. We stayed in the building for nine months after we had closed on it. All of this is to say that God has been faithful in the history of the First Presbyterian Church. This home, I best I can tell, is about the sixth home of First Pres. 
I can think, uh, we know that from the starting in a woman's living room to getting to Zach Street, there were at least two other places where the church met. And then on Zach Street, what the building we sold was not the first building they met in. There was another building. They tore it down, moved it out of the way, and they built the one that we sold. So the, the point is building a foundation on the trustworthiness of God. Did we trust, have First Presbyterians been trusting God? The answer is yes. And here's, here's how I, wanna, I want you to think about this. Right now today, as we trust God with our future, we're standing on their shoulders, our forebears. The people of faith who did their best to hear what God wanted them to do in the city of Tampa, in the ministry and mission of First Presbyterian Church, we're standing on their shoulders. And here's what I want you to be. I want you to be a person who invests your life and builds a foundation in the trustworthiness of God because you know what? People are going to be standing on your shoulders and already are. Let that move you. We're standing on other shoulders, and I want to be shoulders that somebody else will come behind me and stands on. The only way I can do that is to trust God right now and today. And then there's going to be a shoulder there to stand on. <clears throat> One last uh, thing. This, I'm a little nervous about this. Trustworthiness in my life. So this is me telling my version of our engagement story. <laughs> I am definitely going to need a drink of water. So I'm 24 raw years old. I have no clue. Young Life sent me after two years of training to Gainesville, of all places, Florida. <laughs> but I'm, I'm confident in my knollness, which is why I'm wearing this shirt. Because you think it's orange. It ain't. Get, Young Life sends me to Gainesville, Florida, to be the director of Young Life in Gainesville. And there's a junior there named Kathy Arnum. And on her 21st birthday, I... That was in February of whatever year it was. I, we just went out someplace and got cheesecake or something. Then, yeah, Well, that was in February. By April, I, I remember I took her to meet my family in St. Augustine. <clears throat> and I said the three words to her. I said, I want to tell you something. She said, what? I said, this is April. I mean, I, I love you. I said that to her. You know what she said back? Thank you. If I'm lying, I'm a dead man right here on the stage. <laughs> now, I come out looking really bad in this story, but at least I got her one there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not too long later, Kathy was a KD lady, and I, I am in my office in Episcopal Church in downtown Gainesville, and I'm in my office, and there's this room. It has four, five, or six of those old beat-up nasty metal folding chairs. And I go sit down on one of them, and I say, and then this, this thought came to me about 10 minutes before. I know that comes as a shock to some of you. But I said, God, I'm going to go marry her. Ask her to marry me. And I did. I got up and drove over to the sorority circle and went inside the KD house knocking, looking for her. And in those days, we didn't have things called cell phones. There was a phone in the building. It was a phone booth under the stairs. And I looked around. I'm going, can we get in the phone booth? Nobody was in it at the time. She said, yes. Yeah. She sits on my knee. And I said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. Dumb move on her part. So here's, here's the hard part. So yes, I did pray, and oh, I wanted to be a husband, and I wanted to be a Christian husband, and I wanted to have a person who was a Jesus follower, and we could share in our life and faith together. And at the time, if you'd asked me, we said, Are you gonna, do you think you'll be in full-time ministry? I'd have probably said, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, it's not ordination. Don't get that mixed up. I wasn't an ordained Presbyterian minister. I was just a young person who was serving in the ministry of Young Life and been trained by Young Life. 
and I was learning theologically and all that kind of stuff. It was just my job, full-time ministry, reaching teenagers. So there I am in the phone booth. I asked her to marry me. That was midday. By dark, I was sick of my stomach. <laughs> I really, literally sick to my stomach. I remember being, and I was back in my apartment, and I'm thinking, I, I can't do this. I said to myself, I can't do this. And then I went over to her apartment, and I said, I can't do this. And she had, thankfully, only told her sister. <laughs> I didn't have a ring. I had nothing. I, I got no game. You know what I'm saying? This was just. And here's, here's what I want to try to say about me. Trustworthiness of God. I've done everything I can to try to trust God. Yeah, I stumble. I fall. So do you. We're fallible. We mess up and it's annoying. Why do I keep not trusting God? Because you all do it and so do I. And there was this mixed bag. And here's what's so important. I had no idea what kind of a mess I was. So here's what I was. I was a 24-year-old who wanted desperately to have a good marriage. And I have a good brain, and I knew what that was about. But inside me was all this hurt from being a little boy who didn't get patted on his head by his dad, who didn't get watched in sports because my dad and mom were divorced, and my dad, was his life was spiraling down in a bottle of bourbon. He just wasn't there. And I had all this stuff inside me that made it hard for me to think about being committed to somebody else. But I couldn't have said that at the time. I had no idea what was going on with me. She somehow, she somehow could tell. She knew something. I guess she got past the I love you, thank you response. <laughs> all of that's to say is that so in the trustworthiness of God in the past, I didn't give up. So, yeah, I can play hurt. So I was hurt. But I kept working at who I was. And sooner or later, as she's happy to tell people, she asked me to marry her. And I said, no. <laughs> and then another day she said, well, you asked me. And I said, yeah, but I'm supposed to be the one doing the asking. <laughs> well, so, yes, we're married. <laughs> 40, we're in, we're, we're, we've tapped the bag 45 times. We're, in, we're rounding the basis for the 46th time right now. And the trustworthiness of God is very real. So here's the question for you. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. And what you're going to hear in a few minutes is about, you're going to hear not the word trustworthy, you're going to hear certainty and you're going to hear assurance. The body of Jesus, the certainty of God's love, the blood of Jesus, the assurance of your salvation. That's the kind of language you're going to hear in a minute. But before we do this, I want to ask you, look back. Did you trust God at some point? If you did, re remember it. Say it to God. Say it to somebody close to you. Look back and think if there's a place for some reason you didn't trust God. And let yourself work with that a little bit. And maybe you want to say, can I now or will I now? See, we want to be people who build our lives on a foundation that is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's do it again together. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8, remember your past and trust God. And that brings me to the table. So here we have Jesus. We remember that on the night he was betrayed by his closest friends, 
He took bread and he broke it. And he said, this body is, this bread is my body. It's been broken for you. When you do this, remember that I love you. And my love is certain. In the same way that he shared the bread, he shared the cup. This is grape juice. It would have been wine. He said, this cup is the covenant, the promise. It represents my promise to you to always love you. And it represents my blood that was spilled to prove that I love you. This blood is the certainty and the assurance of my trustworthiness and my love for you. So when we eat the bread and drink the cup, we're remembering God's trustworthiness. Let God's presence now penetrate into your life, giving you the foundation that's the same yesterday and today and forever. Ushers are going to send people forward from the back, and I want to invite the elders who are Dana and Elizabeth to come and join Kathy and me up here now.